0: Welcome to another episode of Black Boy Joy. You're here with me, Ainsley. And with me, Kieran. And yes, for our special Christmas episode, we are joined by Jarell Robinson-Brown. He is an Associate Chaplain at King's College London. He's also a writer and a trustee of a charity, a LGBT charity of
1: faith. So welcome to Black Boy Joy, Jarell. Thank you. How's it going? Welcome. Hello. Really uh... good, really good. So glad to be able to chat to you both.
0: So, I think the first thing to always um, always, always do, like, uh, <laughs> just a general, how's it going? How, how have you been? How this week been in Tier 3 London?
1: <laughs> um, it's been all right. It's not been so bad. I thought it was coming into effect on, like, Wednesday at midnight, and I had plans to go and have coffee with a friend, and he was just standing outside the coffee shop, and I was like, what's wrong with you? Why, why aren't you going in? And it had already happened, so it was midnight on Tuesday. So every oh, year, quiet already. I was like, "This is the problem. None of us know what it means or when it's happening."
0: Yeah, or like all I know, it just it's like all my plans for Christmas time are just completely ruined. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. So strange. It's a, it's the weirdest year, I think. Yeah. Are you
2: guys like going? Have you sort of like, going back home? Are you doing like fa- Christmas bubbles with family and stuff, or? You still yeah.
0: Or... So I'm from. Well, Kevin and I are both from Birmingham. Cool. Um, I'm traveling back home on the 23rd. Um, usually, when Christmas time comes, we have like a house full. Like at least there's only me, my mom, and my dad as a household setup. But then we have like uncles, aunts, cousins, anyone basically who can, who want to stop by, can stop by. Mm. None of that is happening this year. Like um, my grandma. <laughs> My grandma, who in her late eighties, she doesn't want to take the vaccine. Oh, because of that, now because of that, we can't see her in Christmas uh, on Christmas Day. So, oh, no. yeah. Is there any chance it, of persuading her to take
2: it, or she not? She decided that she's just
0: not going to have it. So my auntie, like she, um, she recorded it on um, on WhatsApp, like her asking us to take. Um, to take the vaccine, and you should have heard the one lot of coughing that she's giving <laughs> <laughs> wow, <really. laughs> about, like, she took this one free vaccine um, three, four years ago, and it made her sick, and now uh, this one's gonna make her sick too. So, yeah, <laughs> in, her, like, in her patois, in the politest way, it was a no.
1: <laughs> 20 minutes later
0: yeah so um it's a definite she ain't taking it you can't force her to so that's just um it's like a product of the decision that she made isn't it
1: wow yeah i hear that i think for me as well like christmas has changed so much ever since i went into priesthood because i've been busy christmas day so like seeing spending christmas with family hasn't happened for years yeah Um, i'm spending it with friends because um, I was out of London for eight years, and Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, were busy, and it's, I didn't really feel like travelling down on Christmas Day. So it's just it's changed, I think, for me ever since 2013, at least. Yeah.
0: So, so like, like, typically, like, what would Christmas have been like if you're like in the, like
1: I said, in the priesthood? Yeah. Like, like, what, what would Christmas look like for you? Just exhausting. So you have like, um, normally the schools want you to go in and like do an assembly, which would happen like in the week that's just gone, generally. Um, all the little like groups if it's like scubs or um cubs or beavers and stuff would want you to go and like talk to them about christmas and some t- communities have carol services that they want the local minister or vicar to come and like speak at um, and then you have all the church services on top of that all the carol services christingle services um but of course things like funerals and baptisms and weddings don't stop <laughs> so yeah <laughs> um, you have all of that and then there's like extra level extra level of busyness at christmas um, so by like Christmas Eve, you sang all the car- carols like twenty five times. Um, yeah. <laughs> Christmas Eve, you got like two services, the midnight mass, which is lovely, and then Christmas Day a service, sometimes two. Um, so like, by the end of that, you just want to collapse in your sofa with a bottle of whatever it is and chill out and not
3: see people. <laughs>
1: yeah. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> you know and everyone at the door at church will be like, "Have a great Christmas. We hope you enjoy it." And you're just like, "Yeah, the, um... yeah." <laughs> back here soon yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm here to help people have a good Christmas and then I enjoy life afterwards oh <laughs> but so maybe this time around I mean obviously it's
0: so different to most of them but maybe the actual day you can actually celebrate
1: the day definitely and it's very different because I'm a university chaplain at the moment so I don't have my own churches so actually this Christmas I'm free because the university closed yeah. you know, a week ago so we're done um, there's a lot of freedom.
0: When did you become a university chaplain? 2019. Okay, so... Not long. We said by email that I am a King's College London alumni and I will, like, my wig, I will, like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> A great
1: institution. Love
0: it. <laughs> I was there from um, 2014, 2015. I did um, a master's degree there. Okay, cool. But only there for a year and um the, the the chapel that they have on the strand campus yeah. is like really weird because like the rest of the the rest of the campus is like a mix of it being like the old original campus and then they built it around it it might be, even be a listed building so you get like a really big like weird like weird bit of the building tapped onto like the old halls are already there yeah. and then just in the middle of it they're just like this really like grand like really like beautiful chapel that's in
3: there
1: and i think the weird thing is that people don't realize that you can be walking around just as a student and hear the service like happening and the choir singing because it's right in the middle um, yeah campus and the chapel at guys is the same Um, yeah uh, and it's one of the only universities in london that actually has a christian foundation it's like the chapel Mm. there because kings was opened to be a christian institution yeah. In the face of UCL, which was like the atheist place. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: It was, it was yeah, the competition, um, like. yeah, it lasted, man. And it's still there in people. Um, it still comes out.
0: That was one of the first things I learned about King's College, actually, when, um, when I went in there, like... I don't know, like, the first week the, the established King's College, so they could, um, they could save people from that godless institution.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true.
1: And it used to be used to train priests. Like, so many priests, like, before my time, and back in the day, trained and were trained for priesthood at King's. It doesn't happen anymore. But you used to be able to actually train as a priest at King's. Yeah. Um, and that stopped a long time ago.
0: Yeah. So, like, what was it that made Do you want to get into, like, chaplaincy?
1: Or priesthood? Um, so priesthood I was always had a vocation to from a young age. Um, and that was just, I don't know where it came from, but it was always there. And I thought it would go away and it stayed. Um, chaplaincy I was kind of thrust into because I was in an ordinary parish ministry with two churches in southeast London. Um, but they sadly were like extremely homophobic. These are black majority churches. Right. Um, so I resigned, I left that appointment and then the chaplaincy at King's came up. Um, so I went and did that and it was such a different environment because King's is just, from my own experience, and it's probably not everyone's, but mine has been that when it comes to issues around equality, diversity and inclusion, like they're really on it. They're hot. And, mm. on um, and the whole environment to me has always felt quite um, black friendly, but also <laughs> queer friendly. Um, and and I've had good experiences. Yeah, so, so nice.
0: just, um, sorry, can you tell me like, what exactly, like, what is a chaplain, what do they do, just so I'm clear? So clear.
1: It varies from kind of week to week, um, month to month. Generally, my role has been about um, supporting students, staff and alumni. Um, so it is those three groups. We have 50,000 students at King's, 5,000 mm-hmm. staff. Um, I'm not sure how many alumni, but a massive amount. Um, and it's really about offering pastoral care and support to them about anything. Um, but I've had the experience of doing a funeral for a student's mum, um which mm-hmm. I never thought I would have that opportunity mm-hmm. come up, but that happened um and that was really it was strangely a really beautiful opportunity to be able to be um part of that person's life beyond the university um and yeah. to meet their family and get to know um something about their parents because often you don't hear that much um, mm-hmm. an honor for me. Um, but also breaking news to classes when um, we had a student who was killed and I went with the head of well-being um, and the head of the department to that, that kind of lecture group of, of students to break the news to them. Um, of course, in a world of social media, most of them knew, but we still go to say to them um, yeah. it actually happened just to confirm and then to yeah. offer kind of support to the students. Um, and also just um, advocacy. So sometimes if there's a... a kind of minor disagreement that we might be able to help with. A chaplain can be a really good person um, to do that because we don't have academic power in terms of marking assignments or, yeah. um, you know, that kind of stuff. But we, we do have a space within the institution to offer support and help.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So is it a, because um, I'm not sure, is it a
2: particular branch of Christianity or is it
1: sort of yeah, so flexible? We, or? It's an Anglican chaplaincy historically. So the majority of the chaplains are Anglican and I am. Um, but I began life there as a Methodist chaplain. There's an Orthodox chaplain, um, we have a Jewish chaplain, two Muslim chaplains um, and a Lutheran chaplain. Oh, um, right, okay. there's still a lot more we could do, like we, we need uh-huh. a Buddhist, a Hindu, others. Um, but it's kind of you know what kind of Hindu tradition do you go for, what Buddhist tradition do you go for? It gets a lot more complicated when you go beyond yeah. um Islam, Judaism, Christianity, but we are an interfaith chaplaincy.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so you said that you got into um into chaplaincy in twenty nineteen. That's right. And like, so I'm like, I'm really kind of like the whole world of I don't know becoming a reverend or priest. I don't even know the difference between the terms
1: of. (laughs) either. (laughs) It's complicated, isn't it? I know they're all accurate to a degree. Okay. So, would you? So, are you a reverend? Is that correct? So that's the titles. It's like um. Oh, it's really confusing. That's that's what people call you, but it's but you're a priest, basically. Right. Okay. Yeah. All,
3: right,
0: all right. Okay. So right. So if the, so if that's right, then um let's say your title, your salutation. So mine is like Mister. Can you be Mister? Do you be Reverend? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Right. I get it now. But your but so your job title is the priest, but your yeah. salutation is right. I think I got, got it. 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 I got it. I didn't
1: have a yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's i've it. learned that today i thought reverend was um a, like an actual like
1: it's becoming it.
2: for a, people
0: a... <laughs> yeah
1: people
2: just use... in the course of a conversation it probably just gets mixed up a lot i guess yeah yeah
0: it does yes. yeah. I think before we spoke, I was thinking that a reverend, like a reverend and a priest are different things. And like, you'd be a priest and then you'd like, I don't know, you'd pass pass something and then you become a reverend. There
1: is a difference between a priest and a pastor. That's the difference. Oh, what's that? I thought they were interchangeable, but I didn't know. (laughs) Every every priest is a pastor, but not every pastor is a priest. And the, the confusing thing is to do with like tradition. So if you're from like a Pentecostal, charismatic, evangelical background, you would probably be called a pastor. Oh, right. but, yeah, yeah. That's... but a priest is someone who, who tends to come from a more Catholic um, tradition of, of the church. Um, so they tend to look the same, dress the same often with like a black shirt and a white collar, whereas a pastor probably won't dress like that. Um, mm. Priests are usually in charge of like a church where they, they are responsible by themselves to do lots of things, whereas pastors tend to be in teams. Um, so it's kind of a small thing to do a tradition normally. Yeah, so I genuinely thought that like the
0: black people called it pastors and white people called it. <laughs> that
3: was my experience as well. Yeah. And that's kind of what
1: happened. Because the traditions have been generally that the Catholics have been more more white folk and the Pentecostals have been more black. Um, yeah um, I didn't yeah, I didn't realize there's any more difference than that. <laughs> it's so complicated. I'm like call me anything, I respond to it all It's fine.
0: And <laughs> I, I seem you'd have to have gone to like a seminary. Is that the what right term? Yeah,
1: and I came out in seminary like an idiot. <laughs> so And what well, how old were you how old were you then? Was that I went to seminary at eighteen, so I went straight right. to seminary from school, um sixth four, which is crazy, I think now looking back. Um and it was in Cambridge and it was like basically all white, mostly middle class people, um older than me, often married with families. Um and I was there as this young black kid from West London who was like sent there because the church decided that was where I would train. I could have gone to Durham, Cambridge, Bristol and Birmingham. Those were the options at that time. And I was mm-hmm. Cambridge. Um and it was just I keep saying to people that like, I didn't realise I was actually black until I went there. And people think I'm joking.
3: But yeah, like, London,
1: going to school like near Heathrow Airport. We were the majority. <laughs> so, yeah, they yeah. Yeah. <laughs> knew that. You know, of course, white people existed, but it didn't feel. Um, I didn't know there were places where literally there were no black people. I went to Cambridge, and there were like three of us, and I couldn't get my hair cut there, and you couldn't find like planting anywhere to buy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like what? It was crazy. Um, and then I came out in my second year of seminary on Facebook, like a idiot. Um, like vampires but maybe more stupid I'm (laughs) not sure (laughs) I feel like there's a lot to unpack I don't
0: (laughs) (laughs) you went to seminary you sound like the church that you went to were kind of like grooming
1: you for to go to that one or um, not really I think but it it was where they sent people I think who they thought might academically do well long term Um, okay and it also was the seminary that people were sent to if you came from a certain tradition within the church. Because um, they all had a, a slightly different identity. Yeah. Um, so I went to Wesley House in Cambridge and that was the right place for me in terms of where I was coming from, tradition-wise. Um, yeah. And I loved being in Cambridge, but I hated, like, everything else about it. Yeah. You know?
0: And so, I don't know, I guess you could... Yeah, I guess you call it a calling to, I guess, serve in this way.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And that calling, like, did it, hit, like, it must've hit you early, it must've hit you really early then?
1: I think I was around five, you know? Like, five? Yeah, which sounds oh, wow. like, <laughs> it's mad. Um, and I think at the, obviously at the age of five, it was like a joke. It was like, not, I, I didn't know what priesthood was about. I didn't know what I really thought I wanted to go into. But I can remember, like, one of my earliest memories is of wanting to be in that place. and like being in church and knowing I wanted to be that person at the front doing that. Um, hmm. And as I got older, I thought that would kind of go away because I would, you know, get real and realise that that's not a real job in many people's minds and that, um, you know, it doesn't make you money and it's not, you know, it's not that, um, it's not an easy thing to do either. So I thought at some point I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do this. And then I did work experience in a church just to kind of see what it'd be like and hoping to hate it. And I kind of fell in love with the job and I was like, right. So now I'm about to apply for uni. I might want to think about, whether I go and read theology or not, um, and I decided to study theology and then candidate for ministry at the same time. And again, I went wow. to thing, hoping to be turned down. I offered myself to like the the system and the process, hoping that they would examine me and be like, "We don't think you have a call," or that you know, there's something wrong with you, so we're going to say no. And they said yes at every every point. So, right, okay. <laughs> wow! I was like, damn it. Um, <laughs> I tried to get away and God was just like nope yeah exactly so I guess <laughs> if that if that, is,
0: if that is the kind of thing you would think of it as it like God has a plan for you and if like you felt some resistance but it kept going this way then that's a sign that it's like where you're
1: supposed to be kind of yeah definitely. definitely and I'm not one of those people a lot of people say oh it's amazing that you went in young right and I'm always like but being in the ministry young is not the same as like being a young surgeon I went in young yeah. I got a call young You know, if you're a young surgeon, you're a young surgeon because you have the skills Yeah, Yeah. I don't think I had the skills. I think I I gained some of them, but it was because I had the vocation early. Yeah. And it was tough, I think, at times, to to be that young doing that.
0: Well, I think... Um if you take like if you take kind of like your ministry out of it the, like the whole idea of like having something that you feel like you're called to do and following it through from you said age five to um to go into seminary to you being uh, being a reverend and in the priesthood now mm-hmm. it's like and keeping it through from such a long young age is something that you never hear from people no true never ever
1: hear so that's something in itself yeah yeah it's been i don't regret it. <laughs> yeah there 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 are days but on on the whole i don't i think it's kind of it's been the right thing um and i think it's just kind of it's a miracle to me that people feel called every year and go through with that like every year there are people for the church to like ordain yeah
2: (laughs) yeah i was gonna ask um when you said you came out during your um sort of training yeah um what was a kind of a major impact that had or did you ever feel like you weren't accepted or how did it sort of shape your path as it were?
1: I think, um, like, um it I kind of say to people that I buckled out of the closet in the sense that I don't think I was actually intending to make the impact that I did make by what I said. I just came out on, on Facebook and put a status out there saying like, you know, I don't know who cares about this or who has a problem with it, but this is who I am. Like, like it or leave it. Um, mm-hmm. and I just remember the next day like walking around Cambridge being like everyone has seen this probably and now everyone in this world knows something about me yeah and so like I just remember being really conscious of that like putting mm. my soul out onto the world um, and you know back in the day I don't know what you guys were like but like on my Facebook I had all kinds of people that I just accepted that I didn't even yeah. like you know? <laughs> oh, yeah yeah there's no <laughs> filtering back in there yeah like... <laughs> and like my status was probably public and was shared by people and um, family took it bad I think their biggest thing was, why did you do it that way? And then the second thing was, they just didn't see it coming. Um, yeah. Like, it really didn't come from a family where people were like, you know, some people have the experience of everyone knew and they were just waiting for you to say it. My family would not in that country. Right. Yeah. They were like, what? <laughs> it, was, it was huge. Um, but it was news to me. Like, I didn't. Um, it took me a long time to really realise um, that I was gay and actually come to terms with that and work out what that meant.
0: I think it's one thing for you to know that you're gay, know that you're a queer person, but it's another thing to like feel convicted enough to announce it in such sort of a public way. Mm. What was it that made you like just announce it to everyone basically at yeah, that one time?
1: Well, we had, um, I think in Cambridge, there were lots of examples of <laughs> clergy who were really fucked up because they were closeted and and i think full of internalized homophobia so i was like i was surrounded by lots of people like reflecting on it now um who i think were were good examples of what can happen to you if you don't reco- like reconcile who you are um, yeah you know, publicly and i think maybe like psychologically that was an effect on me that i i could see them and i was like, i don't want to be like you yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> because i can see that you know i know who you are um, from lots of things. Um, and I can see that you're clearly not comfortable with that. And the, the things that you're communicating to us who are in formation at the moment um, is actually doing damage to us because lots of us were from the LGBTQ community. Um, yeah. And we're <clears throat> wrestling with our sexuality and our identity and our faith. Um, and I think maybe that was a catalyst of like, I knew coming out on Facebook would be awful, but it would be better than turning out like some of them. Um, in the long run, right? because I just mm. you know if you're a priest and you're that deeply messed up, I think you just do a lot of damage. Yeah right you because you that has to come out somewhere Yeah. yeah. Um, and it does.
0: And were there any repercussions that after you um, after you came out so publicly?
1: Yeah, so my um, that it was around Christmas it must have been around like November time. Because that Christmas I didn't spend with my family because it was just so bad at home. Um, right. I remember like, going Oof. back at the end of that, as we called it in Cambridge, um, to go and spend Christmas with family and like having this dinner table conversation and just being grilled about like what you mean by gay. Yeah. Why you chose Facebook, what this means in long, like basically just having to confirm what I had said really plainly again. Um, yeah. And then have it confirmed for me that a lot of people were never going to agree with that. Um, yeah and the big thing for a lot of my family i think was we get that that's who you are but we don't understand why you're still choosing to go down into the ministry path yeah that was a big thing for them like we get that but we don't think these two things can go together um, well at which point i was just like wow um i don't agree with you (laughs) um and i don't think god agrees with you so i don't know what we do with this um and the atmosphere is just so bad so i spent that Christmas with my Nigerian best friend's family, um, who funnily enough were fine with me. Um, but you know, these things are easier to, to handle when they're not in your family, right?
0: Yeah, of course. It's yeah. Really yeah. easier
1: for me to go and spend Christmas there and be like um, this adopted son who just happens to be gay, but yeah. I'm, I'm not blood, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> can I can I ask you
2: a question about that actually? Yeah, sure. Um, just so about sort of balancing or reconciling like your, your faith with your sexuality. Um, did you ever question when you were younger whether it was possible or for you it's always been a case of the two can sort of coexist?
1: I think I had a, a very short spell of of me kind of wrestling with whether they were reconcilable. And I still don't think so a lot of people ask me the reconciled question and I often and I hate that I even used the word earlier, because I don't believe in reconciliation between sexuality and faith. Um because I think what people think that looks like doesn't really exist. Um, I think what people mean is, have you made peace with the two things? Yeah. Um, but for me, there's never really been anything to make peace with, and even if there was, I'm not sure I'd, I would know what that looks like. Um, I think I had one period of my life when I wrestled deeply with like some of the stuff the Bible says and my own life, um, mm-hmm. but not for long. Because I think fundamentally, I've always had a really deep conviction. Um, that God loves all of us regardless of any other factor of our lives yeah. or identity. And, and luckily for me, that I never really doubted that. Um, yeah. And I think that's, it's, I know that for a lot of people they have, and that's been a real a major, like part of their coming out process. Um, yeah. Um, but I've I never really had that. Um, I don't know why. I think I wrestle more with, being in the church and being gay,
0: right? Okay, I think yeah, I think, right, yeah. Yeah. I think you make a really important yeah. yeah, I think you make a really important distinction there between like you having like you having a relationship with God and um, through and your sexuality and actually like the whole mechanics day to day religious aspect of it. I think that's a really important distinction to make, and a lot of the time the two just get put together, just get conflated between each between themselves. And I mean like you say you say that like um kind of like this whole thing between like faith, religion, and uh and like sexuality, something that like is part of people's like coming out journeys, and it's one hundred percent a big part of mine. Other things like it, um it was one of the biggest things that like really stopped me from kind of accepting my gayness, my sexuality, my queerness be- um before. And even like Maybe even still now, to i be completely honest with you. And now that for me, now that I am like I'm happy, I'm accepting, I'm doing a pod. I like I talk every week about being a black gay man on the podcast. But because I've become more accepting now, it's kind of like this whole faith aspect that I did once have, and especially like the religious aspect is now taking like going on the wayside. Because to me, like everything that I've gotten before from that has just been. A way for me to have less self esteem mm. because it's just like every every everywhere I turn is telling me that like the things I think, the way I feel, is an abomination. So it's really hard for me to put the two together. To be honest with you,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, one of the things I find incredible is that there, are like, so few Black queer people I meet for whom the church isn't part of their narrative, right? And I think like for so many of us, the church has done. Like violence to us really early on because of how it it's almost like body phobic it's, it's scared to engage with our bodies and our yeah, behavior. and so we're left to kind of wrestle that out for ourselves because um you know we, we're kind of given a god that leaves us alone when we're having sex and the problem with that is that we then have to work that out for ourselves because we think yeah. that god can kind of handle that part of us but it's such a major part of people's lives yeah um, and then if for someone Whose, whose sex is gay sex, that's even more problematic because the church is just like, you know, not only should it not happen, but it basically doesn't because we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. There's a massive part of human life and experience that is just untouched by our spirituality, um, which I think is just unhealthy and does damage to us early on. And i are yeah. left trying to kind of undo on our own. Yeah. Which is really um, uh, yeah. I putting, like, putting
0: our blackness, our black Caribbeanness on top of that too like, that's, um, that's kind of like a recipe <laughs>
1: Really?
0: <laughs> it's hard It's hard So yeah, like hearing when you speak I find it like, it, it, like it's fascinating and surprising at the same time that like you seem to always have this conviction that like you could be a queer person, you could come out into the public way mm. I mean to be honest with me I just don't think I'm... I don't, I'm not even sure if I'm really there. It, yeah,
1: I'm still there now. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a really honest thing to be... Um, to kind of talk about that and not something that we do enough. I was talking to someone on Twitter yesterday about, you know, some of the grief that we feel um, because of what religion has robbed us of or has done to us. And the fact yeah. that we, we never speak about that, really. We never really... That has nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, um, and part of what religion has done to our culture um that really does impact the the black LGBT community um in a specific way. We yeah. never really get to 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 share that. I don't I don't well
0: I think that might be because I don't necessarily think it's always safe for us to have to to discuss things like that. Yeah. Especially with like our our black counterparts, like those people who are in the church and who do believe that it's not it doesn't always feel like a safe space for us to come and have conversations like this and it's not
2: yeah it just I think for me growing up in church it was it was like a thing for, a target for ridicule actually like being gay and also it just wasn't you feel like there's an assumption between everyone in the congregation that no one there is gay so it's just not it's just not an issue it's not thing, something that needs to be discussed apart from a few brief seconds and it's not something that needs to be tackled it's just like okay so we don't do that here and and that's about it, um, for me. Um, our pastor, he, he sort of mentioned homosexuality quite a lot, mm. um, and so in my head, not just just from around like just the wider culture, just in my head, it, it was always a case of it's wrong, um, it can't work. I probably knew I was gay from eleven. Probably didn't accept it till much later. Um, so in my head, I've never considered that you could have the two side by side ever literally and I think that's probably what led to me sort of turning away from faith but when I've looked back at it in the future like sort of now I've thought you know that doesn't seem like a good enough reason like in hindsight but at the time it was a case of you know you've got a choice to make you can go left or you can go right like it was it was literally like that but it's mad but it's it's fascinating to hear you like say that it was from what I'm getting it's never like a massive issue to you Mm -hmm. I really I find that really interesting like
1: in a good way like I think it was because I had like as bad as because I had some of that like preaching as well like that experience of people talking about um homosexuality and talking about gay people um but I think I was lucky to be I was raised by my grandparents and my nan was like such a solid saintly christian um hmm. that I I always said that I have no excuse to to not try and be um, a decent Christian because I do actually know what one looks like, but I've had, I don't wow. have an excuse. I can't say I don't know what Christianity looks like when it's lived out properly because she was just like the most loving, most welcoming, most um, affirming, accepting person that I know. Um, and it was crazy because at her funeral, there were like so many different faiths. We had Buddhists, we had Muslims, we had um, atheists come to the funeral, we had the Salvation Army, Roman Catholics, like all kinds of people there. Um, in this packed church, all saying the same thing. And I think what that gave me was like, no matter what other people said about God and about faith, I knew that the most important thing about God was that God was loving because that was all she was about. Um, and I constantly got that. So like the faith I was personally fed um, was just good. It was pure. Um, so that helped to kind of counteract some of the the kind of crap Christianity. <laughs> Yeah, around, um, but not everyone has that to kind mm. of counter that. Um, but that choice you you make, like between like going left and right, is about survival. Often for a lot of us, like it's yeah. the survival thing to get away from from faith or from Christian communities because yeah, um, it's deadly. It can be. Yeah, mm. I think it's just hard. then, yeah, at
0: the at the end of the day, but I think now. Um, I like I would say for me, for me personally, like, I still believe in God, and I still have a like I still believe in a Christian God as well, mm-hmm. and I and I I kind of like I do scrap with that, but I've said before that like if not God that's the problem, it's God's people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so
2: true.
1: It's so yeah. true It stands, yeah. Completely. Like... <laughs> 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 I've always been like the the biggest threat to Christianity is Christianity. Like Christians are just the worst, <laughs> just the worst. And part of me is that I think, you know, if you're, if you're fully convinced that God is on your side and that you're always right, then you can go around the world just being like completely awful to people and living and excluding people and just like doing the most in the worst way because you've created God to be just like you.
3: And yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: You know, they think God is behind them, no matter what they're doing. Yeah, that's true. Um, For balance, so I think
0: another another thing actually that I've been um, that I've been thinking about. So basically, uh, my mom is the is the one in like I'm a non-child, so they're just me and my and my dad. And like my dad is more like the culture part of like the Caribbean community, so the music, the culture, the food, whatever. My mom is that like, the religious part of it and so and like me and my mom are quite close and so but i think it's easy for us to say it's because like i think like we've been to church before we've had experiences with christianity that have probably been negative that have definitely been negative
1: sure
3: sure
0: but like i can't always like i can't always like sit or just tell people that like, like christianity is, like, is bad or evil or they just like perpetuate bad things but at the same time, um, I remember when I was in my teenage years, we had like a bit of trauma happening in the family. Mm. And that's kind of what made my mom like really um, energised to go back into back into church and really like uh, seek out her faith. Okay. And that's made changes in her that have been like, you can't really put a price on, you can't really quantify it in any terms. Yeah. And so like, and for like former my mom, it's kind of like whatever happened in here, no matter how bad her job situation will be, no matter how bad things are in the family, mm. she always has like a God that she can like lean like lean onto. And um, she in, in in every church, every every church that she's been in, not just the building, but like community that she's been in, she's always been like. Really, um, like really, in the church, she's uh, was a deacon on um, the one that she used to go to. She leads the cell group in the one that she's in now, and that's given like I said, the community, like I said, the family, friendship, people that I can rely on, and those are all amazing, wonderful things.
1: Sure, sure.
0: So again, it's like that kind of it's that kind of thing that like it just makes things so complicated, so complex.
1: It does. The church does so much good. It does, and I think yeah, you know, I can't deny that you know, from having had my own churches in this country that without without the church actually a lot of people would go hungry, a lot of people yeah. would be actually me lonely um, you know, a lot of people would die actually, like literally because I think it does it does, you know, I've had churches that have fed homeless children over, you know, the summer holidays that have um, looked in on old people who whose family sometimes live down the road but actually don't have anything to do with them um, mm-hmm. you know, I've served in poor places but also rich places and you know i had a very naive view of like wealthy wealthy people beforehand but the reality is they still have issues and problems and a lot of them yeah they have money but they don't see their relatives um, yeah or they yeah know, they, they're just as dysfunctional as the rest of us yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> better hidden. Um, yeah you know it's hidden behind lots of holidays and nice cars and big houses but um when you're a priest in those communities you realize that the same shit that everyone else deals with is just there. It's, it's part of human life, beyond the rich, poor divide, beyond black, white, beyond all of that. like um, there's something about our human condition that is just central to what it means to be a person. Um, mm-hmm. and the church is often you know picking up a lot of the pieces from that and dealing with a lot of that, um, which actually you know our, our social services in this country just wouldn't deal with. Yeah you know? mm. um, so it's not all bad. It's definitely
0: not all bad. No, yeah, it isn't. It's just like, it's one of those, it's like one thing, like everything everything in life is on a spectrum, isn't it? From like one thing to the next thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just think, I mean, it would be disingenuous to like my Christian <laughs> upbringing just to like completely write it off or something. Yeah. And I think like part of the issue, that like one issue is that like, although maybe it's caused damage in this one area, there are bits of it that like I can really take on, Mm. And um and I like, grew forward in, in this life, like in this not life, but like <laughs> in it's this general. time that I'm in now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <this journey. laughs> oh.
1: yeah
0: um, so what kind of so like what kind of church that you, like, you grew up in? So you say it's Anglican?
1: So I made a I made a switch. I was brought up and born a Methodist and my grandparents were Methodists from Jamaica. Right, okay. So that was like the family religion basically Um, and I was a Methodist until February February this year so um, I left the Methodist church because I I had I moved from Wales I was in Wales for five years and I had two churches there Um, Mm -hmm. and I was in Cambridge three years before that and I moved from Cardiff to London and I moved from basically serving two white churches in in Wales um, to two black majority churches in southeast London um, and one of them fairly high profile so one of them had um, was the church that Stephen Lawrence grew up in and right, was, okay. like, Sunday school mm-hmm. and, um, where his funeral was um, Yeah, Baroness Lawrence worshipped um, for a long time as well um, and we had a stained glass window of Stephen right beside the altar um, Right. so it was a really yeah, a powerful space to kind of, to be in as someone who was um, you know, who managed to, to live longer than he did but was a young yeah. in that space yeah. Um, but both of those churches um they just weren't able or willing already to have an openly gay black minister at all. Um and I I arrived in August and I resigned that appointment by the February Um, because I had like harassment calls, hate mail, Mm, Um, people walked out of the church, people refused to receive communion, wouldn't let me baptize their children or do their family funerals. Um, It was really, it was insane. (laughs) Um, And it just, yeah, it was crazy. And at that same time, so I arrived kind of knowing that because they were black majority churches, there might be a bit of friction because I know what, my people are like. Yeah. Right, I know what I know. So for my own family, it's not going to be easy. But I didn't expect it to be that bad. Um, and then when it got that bad, I thought, well, at least like my denomination know who I am. My church will like stand with me because Methodism decided in 1993 that gay clergy were okay. So like, I'm like, I was literally two years old when the church I'm part of said someone like me was fine. Um, but they just failed. They they didn't act right at all. Um, right rather than just standing by what they said in 1993, they tried to like make it more about me and be like, you know, Javel is the person that you have, so you need to get to work with him. I was like, it's actually not about me. This is about them belonging to a church that decided in 1993 that gay people are okay. So it's not a Javel thing. It's a sexuality thing generally. Um, And their handling of it was just awful. And then at the same time, my nan who raised me died in the February of that year. Um, and then me and my partner split up in the April. So everything like was just spiraling out of control. So 2019 was like an awful year. Right. Yeah. And then I left Methodism and I joined the Church of England, which was a big, big shift. Um, and the Church of England is not any better on the gay stuff. Yeah. But I think it's a bit more honest about where it's at. I see. Um, yeah, it has been a weird transition for me from one church to the next. Um, but on the whole, it's been, so far, it's been okay. Okay.
2: Have you um, sort of conducted any gay marriages or has the issue come up? I know you, you said, like, you were in two churches which technically said
1: being gay was okay.
3: Yeah. But then
1: sort of in actuality, it was maybe a bit different. That's right. So both the churches I belong to, so when I was a Methodist and now being an Anglican, neither of them allow gay marriages yet. So, right. um, so in the Methodist church, you could have one as a leader in the church. You could be in one, but you couldn't perform one. In the Church of England, you can't be in one and you can't perform one. Um, well, if I was to get married to a same-sex partner, I would not be able to be a priest anymore. Um, oh, wow oh really I was, I was completely unaware of that completely. yeah, right, yeah, right. they're, <laughs> yeah. Um, they're having conversations at the moment about whether that will change um, I would be surprised if it did a lot of people think it will happen <laughs> I'm not so convinced um, and part of the problem with the Church of England is that it's the established church so any change that the Church of England makes um, about how it lives actually has to go through parliament because it is um, a church that's established by law so um, everything we do is governed by the law of the land. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that either. <laughs> Which is why, so you know, when, when, God forbid, when the Queen dies and there's a new monarch, um, the archbishop will be the one to put the crown on that person's head and the church is part of that. Every bishop in the Church of England is elected by um, the Queen and the Prime Minister. Um. So, yeah, the church and the state are like that in this country. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: I know that I need, Like I've heard of like a separation between church and state. I've heard of that both in the UK and America, yeah. but you don't really know in real terms what that means. Like what that yeah, what that means like, on a day to day basis. And I guess that's it. <laughs>
1: it's crazy when you think about it, like the, the the church has quite a lot of power because of that, and the yeah. government have a, have a lot of power and a lot of say in the church as well because of it. Yeah, um, it's quite weird. I feel like yeah, like
0: I can only I, I can only imagine the conspiracy theories that I got like swirling around.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Some of them become more and more believable as the time so goes so on. Some like, of them might be true.
2: They might be more
1: yeah. serious, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I was saying that to a friend the other day. I was like, please process the fact that church is closed this year. Like we didn't celebrate Easter in church this year because we had to shut. Like yeah, if someone told me that last year. I would have been like, no, of course, like that wouldn't happen. Like, yeah. So it's, it's. I don't think people realize how big a deal it is for churches to actually like close down for Sundays. Um, which yeah. We had to do in the first lockdown and for a bit in the second one. Uh, oh, I knew. I knew how big a deal it was because I had like the elders in my in my family
0: telling me how big a deal
3: it was. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so
1: crazy. Like, it happened in some states, like communist ones, but not generally. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, what's happening at the moment then? Are you still, are you just doing socially distanced
1: um, sermons or is it? Basically, so we live stream that? everything. Um, oh. Even at King's in the Chapel, we, we live streamed our carol services because we couldn't have people come to them. Um, and usually we would have three back to back because they would all be sold out. Um, this year we just had one and it was live streamed on, you- on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and communion, we're just having bread, no wine because we can't have the common cup. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Yeah. And no singing. So no hymns because congregations aren't allowed to sing still. Yeah. Without music. Wow. Yeah. No (laughs) carols. Like the choir can sing but that's it. Really weird. It's so weird. Um, I hate it. Yeah. Absolutely hate it. But Like the whole
0: kind of the whole social distance worship thing goes kind of against the whole idea of having like having like church services the whole And It really
1: does. (laughs) And it breaks my heart because like I know that a lot of older folk come to church and, you know, usually share the peace at communion. And for a lot yeah. of them, that's their like one point of contact. That's the one time they have any other human contact in a week. Yeah, and Even that's been taken away from them, you know, this year. Um, and I'm quite a tangible kind of tactile person. I, I, I do hug people. Um, that's who I am. And not being able to do that. You know, and I moved in this lockdown. So I left um, two churches in the parish of Putney where I was serving for a year. To come to to where I'm living now, and I know my last Sunday there, couldn't even shake hands with people. Yeah, Um, and that was just like I just literally stood at the door, like talking to people at a distance. I was like, this is grim. Yeah, not like me at all. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, you know, it's yeah, it's weird.
0: I feel like we should make things more Christmassy. (laughs) to like, you know, um. (laughs) they said come out on, on Christmas Eve and like, we've not talked Christmas at all. <laughs>
3: we'll segue,
1: we'll segue.
0: Right, um, our, um, each and every podcast episode just goes on such wild tangents that we're going to probably start with Christmas and end up who knows where, what, way, how. <laughs> you know, start on, you'll start with Christmas and probably end up on Azalea Bank, sorry off. <laughs> that happens all the time.
1: That's, that that has been to
0: happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Um are you you, so I think you said before but I've half forgotten. So are you you're not doing are you doing any services on Christmas this
1: year or how is it working? They're happening in um so it's really cool. So I live in a parish, um, but I don't the churches are not mine, but I do live in one. Um but my my main post is at King's and King's is um, wound down now for the year. Um so I'm free to go wherever I want and do whatever I do and I can like turn up at places and just take part if I want to or just sit in the congregation and um which I, I quite enjoy because for like seven years I've been leading stuff. So Yeah. <laughs> this is one year yeah. when I get to enjoy it, I don't mind. Um, Just chill, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's weird. So what, right?
1: so what are your plans then? What, um, what will you be doing this uh, Christmas time? I'm heading to Black to, um, to, I'll spend Christmas with two friends there. So my best friend and her fiance and I'll take my dog with me um, and I'll spend Christmas there. So I'll probably go to church near them um, Christmas Eve and I won't go on Christmas Day. I'll take a a day off for one year. Okay. That will be different, but it'd be nice. Yeah. So, I feel like I'm kind of getting
0: that, like, under normal circumstances, Christmas Day would just be, like, one big manic day, basically. It's not going to be like that this year. (laughs) At all. Do you indulge in any of the secular, uh,
1: secular Christmas music? Not much, to be honest. I... I think one of the things I do, I think I, I kind of, this is going to sound really awful to say, but I'll clarify. <laughs> like, I kind of hate Christmas, but the reasons that I hate it are because of the secular stuff. Okay, that's not bad, that's not bad at all yeah. Yeah, It's <laughs> like a, know, a headline, you know, black gay priest says he hates Christmas <laughs> <laughs> Black gay, <laughs> gay know, priest hates <laughs> Christmas <laughs> Selective quoting, yeah <laughs> um, But no, it is the secular stuff for me, like all the shopping, all the like madness I'm just like, this is really not what it's about Yeah And I just feel like the whole deeper meaning of it just gets completely missed out um, yeah. And I love it because church is usually packed at Christmas. Like, it's the one time when it's packed with all kinds of people who usually have nothing to do with you for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and midnight mass, people walk up to church pissed off. That's, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, I've had that in Cardiff. Oh. Definitely. I have like an epiphany when
2: they're drunk and then need to be in the house of the Lord or something. Oh, I kind of
1: love it. I I, I, there's yeah, a thing I love right. that. Um, I'm just like, yeah, Mike, like, come. Of course. Like, I love that. And people are so much more chilled out, and everyone's happy. Um, so it's a, it's a kind of upbeat type of yeah. vibe, generally. I kind of want to go now, like you've sold it
0: to me. I've never been to a midnight oh. mass before, and I've always, yeah, always yeah, wanted yeah. to go. Wow. I've wanted to go to the ones that I like on TV, when they have like this really great choir and singing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. When I have a church again, you guys will both have to come.
0: 100 oh, yeah, yeah. next, <laughs>
3: next
1: Christmas, as long as the oh. music is popping, of course, <laughs> <laughs> that that's the least, that's
3: like the
1: least, of course. Yeah, standard. But, yeah.
0: Right. I did actually want to ask you about like what you thought about like the um the ever continuing secularization of Christmas, and I just didn't know
1: how to ask, so I'm really glad that you brought it up. Sure, sure. I think a part of it's like inevitable um, because I think the, the true meaning of Christmas is quite hard for people to grasp. And even people who think they get it don't. And I also think like we're the fault, we're at, we're at kind of fault for why that's the case because um, the church is really awful, I think, at connecting the secular with the sacred and, and making that connection. Um, and you know, we retreat from the public square all the time. Um, which is where real people are um, and I think until we do that we're not going to you know capture people's imagination so I don't like the secularisation part but at the same time it's our fault and I think it's also inevitable yeah yeah makes sense so
0: on um, um, on my more cynical days yeah. I always say that they should change um, the scene Christmas day to happy Camp to this day basically
1: <laughs> <laughs> This is the thing, but we also like the economy couldn't cope without it. So yeah, Yeah, um, as much as I hate it, if people didn't spend, like we would all notice very quickly. (laughs) So there's a there's a part of me that like is always talking about how bad capitalism is, and at the same time, I'm like, you know, I also find myself buying into it and exactly, yeah, indulging in it. Yeah, it's like um, of websites we shouldn't use
0: that I yeah use, but it's like um, being plugged into the matrix, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I it's so hard. At the same time, the idea that God becomes this small child is such a huge, massive concept that I get why that gets sidelined. And it's the same yeah. thing with Easter. Like people just focus on a bunny at Easter because that's so much. You know, that's easier to get your head around than the fact that someone dies on a cross and comes back to life again. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah get why, um, I get why people don't connect because it's tough. It's hard.
0: I think but there's like, there's also, there's like two ways that you can look at that, I think, because there's the whole, then the nativity, the way that um, Christ, Jesus was born mm. and whatever, and you can, um, you can look at it that way. But then if you like kind of look at it more, uh, no, more abstract terms, it's kind of like the birth of Christ. So it's like the way that you kind of come into like this figure born that kind of helps you come into faith and like. Um, think about this new way of of worship and of having a relationship with God mm. and like Easter's no, another way is like rather than like the mechanics of like, called, like dying coming back to life again it's kind of like reaffirming the faith that's, that's kind of it you could think about it more in that way maybe a bit more abstract terms yeah yeah I think in that way I think it kind of makes it makes it easier to deal with cool. to me anyway yeah rather than having to think about this guy was crucified on the cross. Then a couple of days later, he's just like, he's back again. <laughs> he's back again. My, my, my ultimate reveal. Surprise. <laughs> <Plot> yeah.
1: <perspective. laughs> it is hard. I was about to say something blasphemous that <laughs> like I am I didn't say. <laughs> Glad it's not coming from me. That's okay. <laughs> so I think there is a real beauty, though, to this idea that, you know, people don't really realise that what what the church teaches is that God is born as a helpless vulnerable child and that, you know, Jesus isn't born in, in, you know, a five-star birthing suite in a hotel. Like so. he's, <laughs> he's born, like literally um, as Cornel West would say, between piss and feces in a stable. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> yeah. He comes out of a woman and, it, and it's, but there's, you know, I think it's important to sometimes put it that way because we shy away from the really graphic, um, really human side of what birth is like. You know, mm-hmm. there's something that women who have given mm-hmm. birth know about because they know how their bodies work. But often we we shy away from that and think that Jesus just kind of like appears, you know,
3: via, like Caesarean. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but Mary gives literally gives birth. Like Mary's waters break. It's it's very visceral and that's how god chooses to enter the that's world in-
0: that's really interesting actually when you think about like jesus being born you don't actually think about jesus being born you think about like them um if you think about nativity like um them having to like beg people for shelter and then all of a sudden people born, are yeah, born in a manger <laughs> clean
1: and pretty yeah. and nice you know and people yeah. bring them gifts and like it's all cool and jesus looks really clean and mary doesn't look tired and you know, see, yeah, like we we had an activity play
2: in it must have been year five or year six, right. and like you know, in when you're in like the ma- the main or sorry, the, the stable, like they've got all the hay and stuff, and it actually it actually looked quite comfortable. But when you actually think about it, I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> wasn't like that was probably like oh. very rough and ready, like you know, and like you're saying, like horses in it, so it's probably gonna smell too. We've like I think it really sanitize the story. I think because it's it's to make it sound nice with children and adults alike, I guess.
1: But, no. And I think yeah. it becomes it becomes less powerful when you make mm. it clean and nice and simple because you know anyone who's you know, if, if refugees see that story, they know what it's actually like to look for shelter and not find it. Um mm. anyone who, yeah. who's had to, you know, um give birth in unfortunate circumstances knows the reality of labour and yet we have this nativity scene that you know, someone's giving birth with cows and horses around them and it looks so nice. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah. get real.
2: Um, and they've all got like bright blue yeah. garments
1: and stuff, like, you know, everyone's And
2: they're really all like so yeah, light I light know, up, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> with their blonde... And like, everyone all yeah, everyone, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Scandinavian Jesus, I just don't have time for it. <laughs> oh, you know yeah. what,
2: that's, like that's the biggest scam of like western civilization is depicting jesus in that manner i didn't question it until well into adulthood you know i never even stopped to think as a kid
1: like Terrible. it's just wild that they you know thought that was acceptable to do white supremacy is everywhere it's, it is yeah, yeah on every everywhere. card in everything. last window like
0: Damn. yeah do you remember <laughs> um have you heard of kiki palmer she's like an actress yeah. And there was like a really big meme that was like, um, went to be to like showing a photo and to like, um, sorry, I yeah. hope I'm not ridiculous, but I don't know who that man is. Yeah. <laughs> and the best meme that I saw was like, Jesus talking at a photo of Jesus. And yeah. it was
1: like, Yeah, I
3: not
1: like, <laughs> I love That is actually one of my favorite memes. I love that. Yeah, so it's much. applicable to so many things. It yeah. yeah. could be, yeah. Jesus, or we could be walking past
2: the street and I. Uh, I wouldn't oh, would
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's so subtle as well, but it's really harsh. Like, oh man! No, I love it.
0: Oh, another thing about nativity, and one thing I remember to this day is that obviously um, when you were a child, and I was in primary school. And I wanted to be Jolie so bad in 1950, and I didn't get cast to Josie and I'm I'm, and I'm so, i feel so bad recently this day that someone else was jolted was It stuck with you.
2: Did you did yeah. you get another part? What
0: did you get cast as? I was oh, sorry. I was one of you know, um, like one of the innkeepers, he like turns them away. That's, yeah. who, that's who I was I wasn't even on. with you you I can imagine you doing that
2: though I mean, this was quite a fitting a thing.
1: Like, like sorry you can't come in here like, <laughs> <very> <laughs> <medicine>. next
0: <Yeah. laughs> no nah, sorry 11 year old me was ready I, I had my singing voice ready I'm acting ready I was ready for that part and it didn't, it didn't go to me <laughs>
1: I'm like, which black and brown person is just going to open their door to random people, though, and be like, Well, yeah. well. Wow, wow. <laughs> Come and give birth on my carpet. Like, it's cool. Like,
0: that is the truth. Yeah. It's so weird. I could imagine that, like, if there was, um, if, well, if there was like a Black Caribbean person in the inn and asking them, not only would they say no, they'd get, could they get cursed out? Like, <laughs> Definitely, I turn it off on Christmas Eve. Yeah, <laughs> what you do? I like
1: they're, they're keeping their teeth after them. <laughs> I should definitely do that. They should recreate that. I love that. <gasps> yeah, but oh, that'd be hilarious.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna. After you had any favorite hymns or favorite Christmas songs, God. like um, your your most or least favorite.
1: My least favorite is um. Do you know Mary the the song Mary? Did you know? I don't know that no um, I've heard, I'm have i trying to th- I probably know if I hear it but I don't Mary did you know that your baby boy would one, bi- one day be a king did you know that you know he would die and all this kind of stuff and it's just is it a carol it, or was
2: it a Christmas song it's, or... a,
1: it's a Christmas song slash carol kind of right um, it's quite a modern one um, but it's very popular very very popular I've
0: never, th- I've never yeah.
1: heard of it yeah people can YouTube it I'm sure it will come up like in the first yeah but it's I hate it because I'm like of course you didn't know Like, how
3: could
1: she? It's just so stupid. I'm like, the question is yeah, I hate that. Um, But, and it's so popular. I'm like, why are we singing this? Like, what do we think? Yeah. um... The angel taught her everything apart from that. So she didn't know. Um, But my favorite, probably, I don't know, um, Hark the Herald is like, that's like a typical. Um, Christmas Carol, but it's got a good
2: climax of each verse it or chorus, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it um, lends itself well to brass bands as well. I Like Oh Come All You that.
1: Faithful as well. Yeah. Old, oh yeah, okay, the classics. Yeah, yeah. I think my um, favorite, which you never hear, is Oh Holy Night, which you hardly hear. I hate that song. I hate, <laughs> that. I hate
3: that
1: one. <laughs> I only know the first two lines. Like oh you don't
2: hear
0: it very often, do you? No, you don't. I've heard so many people murder that song. You know, that's the.
2: Point. Is that why you hate?
3: Yeah, them? that's why I don't you like it. Yes, yeah. like, right. In the
0: court, like in the chorus, there's like one really high note that people have to hit, and like so people always and it's always like especially i like I hate I hate to um to get on like black churches, like, all way black churches, and they got with one with one girl singer who thinks he can get to that note, and every time you get to it, it's just it's, it's, hot, it's awful. It's like flat or Yeah, that yeah. like really flat. So like I, I can't it's I can't do it. Yeah, I, I, I know it on
1: divine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It's fine.
1: It's fine. I, w- I won't hear it this year anyway. So, but now I whenever I do, I think of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, like whenever it, and whenever and whenever I get to, I'm always waiting for. I'm always like here, just waiting for it. <laughs> waiting for you can't do
3: it.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: And okay, that one's been quite secularised as well, hasn't it? Like, I think I've I've heard that Mariah Carey singing yeah. it, and like, yeah, have like you got, Have you got a favourite one, Ainsley? Does um, let me see. So maybe i the sacred ones. Maybe Silent Night is a um, is a good one. Hmm. Um. So you, do you remember Keith? So Keith and I used to go to the same secondary school, and okay. um, we used to have to perform in a winter concert. And um, in the winter concert, we used to do, we have to do those hymns. Right. And because they were so horrendous, they kind of put me off. So we used to do Heart of the Herald, we used to do Oh Come you Faithful. I can't remember the other one. And, like, I quite like Oh Come You're Faithful mm. as well. But I'm going to say Silent Night is my favourite, yeah.
2: Yeah, I like that one. Uh, I'd have to go with, oh, so actually one thing about Silent Night, you know, you talk about people over-singing. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen like the vintage Destiny's Child performance where Beyonce is just doing way too much, yeah. it. it's, it's, actually, it's
3: actually
2: it's actually ridiculous. The runs and the that she's doing, like come on man, just finish the song, man. Cool. What are you doing? Like, it, yeah, it's so over the top. <laughs> it's like a classic one, but yeah, for me, it would probably you know what? I've not even i have a i have a habit of um, listening to songs and liking the melody, but I'm not listening to the words properly. But I really like God Rest Yej- Merry Gentlemen. Um, that's a good one. But I need to actually look at the lyrics of thing. But I, I know I like the song; it's uh, good.
1: Yeah, every now and again, the lyrics can really surprise you with stuff, right? And I don't. Yeah, yeah.
2: it's true. True. Kind just the go, government go head. I think the other time. Oh, What am I actually
1: singing? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's true. That is the truth.
2: I was saying um, to Amy earlier this week. Um, do you know Cineman um, that Nina Simone sings? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I've listened to that song for years and years, and I never really pondered on the lyrics at all. But then I, I got to listen to it one night, and I was thinking, yeah. I was actually reflecting on. It. I'm trying to work out what she was talking about. And um, I thought she was talking about someone who was like, like a little like a, a petty thief or like small time crime mm. and that they sink deeper and deeper and do like more terrible things. So I thought, let me just Google it to work out if I've got this right. Because oh, I, no. I was blown I can't think I've literally never listened to it. And it's actually a Negro spiritual. And she's talking about it's about someone on Judgment Day and he's trying to hide, because he's saying, oh, I went to the rock, the rock couldn't hide me, then I went to the river and it was boiling. I was like, oh, it makes sense that, but literally, for years and years listening to that, I didn't even, even the title is religious, and I'd never even stopped to think about what it really meant.
1: But, um, you know, not quite really a Christmas card, like, but I love it. But. Cool, that, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about, like, people like Nina Simone, and even Beyonce, like, so many, like, Aretha and others, like, it's the church that, that, um, enable them to find their voice. Like they all started singing mm. church.
0: Of course, yeah. 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 Whitney Houston, Jennifer yeah. Hudson, Katina Bell. All of
2: Fantasia. Fantasia, yeah.
0: Fantasia,
2: yeah. <laughs> all starts in church,
3: it?
0: yeah. Like, yeah. Amazing. Um that you were talking about like songs that um you don't know the meaning of. And I heard a rumour, um, I'm, I'm just dismissing it as not true. I
3: do. But
0: You know Candy by Cameo is one that we all do the dance to mm. um, whenever there' more than five black people in the room. Mm-hmm. I saw on Twitter that someone was saying it was about cocaine. Cocaine? That's
2: yeah. I'm trying, let me think of the words. It's, like, it's oh.
0: like Candy, even when you walk, even when you talk, it takes over me. It's like Candy. Tastes so you know sweet. Um, oh
2: wow! I feel like you could apply it to so many things. Though. I-, I thought you were going to say something other than cocaine when you
3: first. Yeah, I thought you were uh, going to say something like, about
1: slavery or something. I was about to say. That. Oh no! Yeah. no, no I'm, I'm not.
3: not. Oh, <laughs> I'm else, like, I wasn't ready. <laughs> like,
1: I'm, I'm, like, <laughs> um, I hate when things get ruined like that.
0: I've chosen to. I've chosen to dismiss that interpretation because. Listen like,
1: to it afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know the whole, all the lyrics. I'm trying
0: to, I'm trying to work out so, some of that. And like, because, and it's like, my, my eyes rolled in my head, I toss and turn in my bed. Oh, that actually
1: does
0: sound like someone, like, under the influence of something.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> i will listened to it tonight. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if that interpretation is right, we'll all be, we'll be doing the electric side from um, some drugs, <laughs> it' like, <some> big drugs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's nothing i can get black people to move like that song on cue and everyone just seems to know it if you don't shame on you like it's just you know the problem i have is that i always i learn the dance and i forget the dance i don't know why i always forget the moves <laughs> oh. so when it happens like for the
2: first like let me say the first 40 seconds or so you know you just like you're Where kind go, of half, you're half a second like like someone you just copy them straight after to make it like you know what you do all along I'm like oh
3: yeah. shit like...
0: <laughs> you know what you need to do but- Key run you yeah. need to stand on the sidelines and let everybody else do it because, like, you're going to cause a traffic jam if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I like, no, just, I'll
2: just always not be, I try to not be in the way while I That's refresh my memory.
1: But, like, you know, I can't practice it alone. That would be ridiculous. Of like you he, It's a group activity. It's a group activity.
2: Exactly,
0: it's better to practice it alone than you embarrass yourself on, um, on the dance floor.
1: Well, I guess so. I just, I just forget the moves every single time. Like, yeah, none of us know. will be in any kind of like dance or party for such a long time that it really doesn't matter the way. That no, we, that's true. I've got time then, I guess. Like. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's going to be a long
0: time before we're all electric sliding together right, tier uh, one away. about cocaine.
2: <laughs> I um, I don't know when we're going to go back to normal, but I'm, I'm keep hearing more and more about the vaccine being rolled out. Um, mm. so I'm just wondering if this time next year, if we will kind of be out in the clear, but it's just hard to say at this point. But I would, I would like
1: a summer next year, whether it's going to happen or not, is a different same, story. But, same, yeah. The first lockdown I thought was like quite useful and I kind of liked it because I can be a bit of a, like, I don't know, a recluse, so I was quite happy. But then the second one, I was like, I'm yeah. over this now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I so felt similar. And I think a lot of people made the point that in the first lockdown, it was nice and sunny for, for the yeah. most part. Whereas in the second lockdown, it's, you know, the clocks have just gone back.
1: And the sun's hiding. It's it's cold. It's like
0: No, but but that made that made (laughs) things that made things worse. So the like lockdown part one, the worst weekend of that of 2020 for me. I mean, apart from like personal family, like my granddad dying, apart from stuff like that, was that Easter was that Easter weekend. But that was when you get four days off work, Mm. the sun was shining, was blaring down. I don't have a garden in my flat, so we were just sitting in the flat. Just looking at just looking at the sunshine, and back at home, like um my family, blah well Not my family, like the church we used to go to. They used to do like a march. Oh wow, You <clears throat> on the Soho Road. Sorry, it's back mm-hmm. in Berlin. on the Soho Road. <laughs> yeah,
3: um,
0: they do they do a march. They have like float. it's like carnival basically.
3: Really?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and, and they have like lots of flow to have um people that have, like Punjabi Christians. They have like Arabic speaking Christians. Everyone comes together. Uh, on that on that Good Friday, and that doesn't yeah, that that wasn't able to happen.
3: Yeah.
0: So yeah, lockdown one for me was just, what was worse than lockdown part two for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's... Yeah. One thing I did want to um, I did want to uh, ask you about duel Yeah. The, on your Kings, I think it was your Kings bio, you mentioned the telephone by No Name. Yep. Ooh. I yeah yeah, I love I me and Kieran I I love her
1: Ainsley put me onto that album and No Name anyway yeah yeah life changing man
0: what do you think of that compared to Room Twenty Five
1: I don't think they compare I don't think they compare for me Telephone is like so I don't know it's just different it's got a different vibe there's at least like six tracks I can listen to off Telephone repeatedly yeah i just didn't get the same feel i think it's like everyone it's it's, she reminds me of like lauren hill a lot yeah Um, and it's like i don't know the miseducation album is like such a signature one i feel like with no name like telephone is is yeah i
0: think Telephone doesn't have like is an album that doesn't have any skips in it so I could listen to it from like beginning to end and be entertained the whole way through she's such a great rapper such a great like spoken word like spoken word poet that like you are that yeah that you're drawn in with telephone, um, with Room Twenty Five, I think it's the same actually. I think it's it's still a really great album. It is, but it's it not is. like it's not as nostalgic. Like with Telephone, talk about like they're going up in Southside Chicago, yeah. and with like with Room Twenty Five, it's a bit more political,
1: a yeah. bit more things that you have to like sit down and listen to. It almost seems also like more um, like it, it immediately feels a bit lighter in a way. Even though mm. always, I feel like there's something that's so deep about Telephone in so many like ways. And it would, you say, would you say that? Room I mean, 25 feels lighter than telephone.
3: I
0: do,
1: I do. Um, Interesting. I also have, I mean, like, um, footnote to all that is that my ex introduced me to No Name, so maybe that's why. <laughs> right, know. okay, um, yeah. So I love that album, but whenever I listen to it, I'm also taken back. Yeah. I'm kind really nostalgic. Um, mm. But like, there's so much theology in like her songs. And yeah,
2: well. casket pretty. I love that
1: one as well. Deep
0: man, it's, um, it's so deep. It's mm.
2: um, And then what's the last one? Is it Shadow Man?
0: Shadow Man, yeah.
2: That one's uh, like like all the harmonies stuff. It's like just so church, like in in that song. I love it. I'm and gonna forever
0: listen to it again. Well. I love forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, check gonna... is my favorite from it.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: and it's No Name's favorite as well. So. There's a depth there, I think. 100%. Uh, I feel like No Name has been like, um, well, she's been very vocal on
1: like Twitter uh, and, um, to mix success. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she was really, I thought her, her response to a lot of the crap she gets is very mature though. Like she doesn't actually, she yeah. not engage, yeah. At all, which I think is a, yeah, it shows that how I feel about her is true that like she's got a very deep kind of, Core character, and yeah.
2: Feel, yeah, And I feel like she, she, um, from the bits and bobs of corn, so her heart's in the right place, and she's, Definitely. and she's not a man. She's not afraid to admit she's wrong, and she, and all like headed like a lot of people are on social media. I
0: mean, yeah, but yeah, that um, telephone phone by a no null name was the year 2016, which is like I will say one of the best years ever for music. So there was that. There was Lemonade. There was a seat at the table, which is like my ultimate. Oh, that was twenty sixteen, wasn't it? Of course, it was. Yeah. I, oh, I forgot. forgot. Like, all of that was, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, me and my friends, um, basically, we um, we think about like we look on back on fun times from um, twenty sixteen. Blonde by Frank Ocean came out as well. So, yeah, like all of that, all of the like, all of that like, really big, like, I don't want to say seminal albums, but all my seminal albums came out in that one year. Yeah. Which a. Um, up anything, I guess,
1: like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lemonade, I think. That long, like, that's, that's really a crazy that's That's quite a while. That's mad. I think it was.
0: It feels April, now for me. Yeah, yeah it, feels, it feels ages away for, for me now. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I feel like it was yeah, a really, <laughs> a really very long, long time
1: ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this year, like this year, feels like it lasted for two years instead of one. Oh, definitely, like my sense of time has gone. It's yeah, one hundred percent. When was twenty nineteen? What happened that year? When was twenty eighteen? <laughs> yeah, everything this, this, was blurred. This year feels fast and slow
2: at the same time for me. Um, but I was thinking about how I'm going to sort of drive home on um on Wednesday. I wanted to go earlier, but it seems that like all my family are very, very strict and they're following the guidelines to a tee. Um, but I was thinking about when I last drove home and it was obviously this time last year and what I was doing at the time. And it doesn't feel that long ago at all, but they want to think of everything that's happened between now and then and how much everything has changed. I don't know, this this year, I think this, it's I aged all of us, like three years or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ex- lot, I'm, exa- huh? I'm exaggerating, but yeah, it's just... um. I just want, even if things aren't drastically different on January the first. I just want a new. I'm just. I just want 2020 out of the picture. Yeah, have,
1: I'm like, completely yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> new 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 calendar year. But so do you have any um, anything you want to
0: achieve in uh, 2021? Do you do like new resolutions, well? I don't
1: do New Year's resolutions because I know I'm going to be the same shitty human being I was the year before. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I think, you know what, part of, I don't know, maybe it's just getting a little bit older has maybe just come to terms with that. Like, I'm not sure I'm going to change that much, So I'm learning to just love me as I am. And yeah, New Year's, they're just, because by February I've broken them. Yeah. If mm. I even get that far. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, there's no point. Um, I'm writing a book and that's going to come out next year and I'm excited about that so, are, you writing, are you writing it now or? I am deadline's end of January for the manuscript so I'm like oh wow if you saw okay. like, my room either side of me is full of
0: how are you telling us like an hour and a half into the <laughs> conversation <laughs> that you <have?
1: laughs> it's because if I don't mention it it can't stress me out so that's why right is it okay so how far along are you in the writing process I'm nearly done so I've got I've got about twenty thousand words left, and then that's it. Okay, and you know, like what kind of, like what kind of work is it like a memoir, is it a novel. No, so it's about um black, British, queer spirituality, basically, basically. Okay. Um. So a lot of what we've been talking about is kind of coming up in it about the church and um and being black and LGBTQ plus in Britain because everything right. I read is is American. Like I actually can't think of one thing I've read that's from a British perspective.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah um,
1: um, that brings all of those three things together. Yeah. Um, but it's a challenge because I'm trying to be honest about my like ethics yeah. and about my views at the same time as having to wrestle with the fact that it's going to be in print and therefore, you know, if I want a job in the future, yeah. um, <laughs> I have to kind of, yeah, say things in certain ways. But And it's been a challenge because I when I signed the contract, you know, Black Lives Matter in terms of it being on everyone's radar wasn't a thing. The pandemic mm-hmm. wasn't a thing. Um, and all of that's affected some of the stuff I was going to say, I think. Because not everyone's talking about things, yeah. they weren't. Like, they generally weren't before. Um, yeah. I remember the heat I yeah. caught from some of my close white friends in 2014 when I changed my um, Facebook um, banner or whatever it's called to the cover photo. To Black Lives Matter and the hate that I got from people, and now some of them are uh, doing it like it's nothing. And I'm like, Yeah. You know, so the whole tone has changed, I think. I whole of the whole people pointed it out to them.
2: Yeah. I think yeah. the word black, we've probably, we've probably gone over it those times, but it's the word black people get their backs up whenever any kind of hint of race is brought up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> exhausting. <Literally, laughs> uh, it's, I, I think, obviously, it's topical between us like often, but I've seen 2020, it's like someone's just turned a notch up and not it's like yeah. now. Everyone's talking about it. and A lot of people are talking about it, and it's their first steps into this big, vast world. Yeah, they're taking, up, they're taking up too much space, and they're talking too loud, and and things that we've been exhausted with for years and years. Like they're sort of <laughs> dipping into it and think that their racism one one takes are really profound, and they're just, they're just not. Oh, oh, so I don't sound bitter,
1: I'm, no, but oh, I'm so annoyed.
2: Oh. <laughs> that's
1: that's really it. That's it, and I think people don't get how exhausting it is that you know people get to read about this but we have to live it yeah exactly that's that's completely it yeah that's completely it and it's like fun and exciting to them and cool and they want to get recommendations off you and tweet it i'm like
0: yeah
1: (laughs) it's like a
2: quirk or when they want to debate sort of um what's the point of black lives matter is there really a problem police brutality in america and the uk like all these debates for them it's like you know it's like an intellectual entertainment exercise when it's else it's like no this is our lives and the lives of people that look like us it's not really a lighthearted topic just you know for a bit of fun Uh, anyway yeah Yeah. (laughs) they know
1: know not to come with me not to call (laughs) me i've been literally invited to like so many panels and stuff i'm like look at the question you're asking like you know is the church institutionally racist um does britain need to you know um review its connections to the empire like that's such a like basic questions for yeah me. it's like yeah, yeah and it's, kind of-
2: it's just a trap you're just going to be invited there to have people you know playing Lord well, devil's advocate in a commas and just just basically debate whether it's an issue or not Absolutely. and not get not get past anything more more you know interesting than that
1: i'm like just pull it all down pull it all down let's start again now. yeah yeah raise it to the ground you yeah <laughs> i'm really I'm too uh, radical uh, with these questions i'm like no no <laughs> <laughs> Recently, I've been watching, like, Huey P. M. P. P. Newton on um, YouTube and, like, reading on and other people. I'm just like... Oh, really? I, I started the off as a pacifist and I'm definitely not one anymore. Like, something has right. just changed in my
0: politics. It's interesting... So, um, yeah, interesting to say that. Sorry to cut you, Key. I've changed... Now, I think I've changed a bit as well. Yeah. Maybe not so pacifistic. I mean, I was more meaningful past pacifistic before than now but i think more for me it's kind of that whole we talked about capitalism before and i remember saying to myself like before that like i'm not really focused on being rich or having money or anything mm. and now i feel like i do want to have money okay. not just uh not just for myself or, or whatever it's just so like I just feel like it's one of the only ways that us as Black people can like have any prosperity without have, like without having to like appeal to other people um, or to other institutions to do it for us. Because I feel like by by us doing like Black Lives Matter and whatever, it's almost as if like I'm I'm, like, I'm asking or begging like white people to like start being racist or understand what we're trying to say, and that still put I still is putting me at somebody else's mercy.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, and if we have the power to um, to op- op build up our own communities with capital, then we don't have to do that as much anymore.
2: But it's true I think you know without sounding bleak, like money is everything and economic power is everything, mm. and all the criticisms of capitalism, I, I just I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. So it's a case of oh I don't know, well, some people might call it selling out, but just getting with the program. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not defending it in any way, but it's 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 like this massive beast, which I just
1: don't think it's going to be moved. So we're all married into it somehow. And yeah. like yeah. anyone who thinks yeah. they're not is not being honest. Yeah, sure. you know, um, I think there's just a way to redistribute a lot of wealth that would help. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what, yeah,
0: that's what I'm talking about. Abolish the monarchy, oh, ransack oh, Buckingham abolish. Palace, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: all of it, all of it
0: i like, <laughs> yeah, I'm too, I'm too there. If there was a referendum on the monarchy, I would vote leave.
2: You know, do you know what? Like, I, I, I don't think there ever would be, but I'm just thinking. I reckon, um, I reckon the leave would win if like. Together. Oh, absolutely not! Absolutely not! you <laughs> really? I
3: don't
2: know. You know, if, I don't think it would be. I don't. I think it'd be close either way, but. I don't know. I think... Uh, I'm not sure. Because I think when you look at people who don't like the monarchy, mm. I think unlike things like Brexit, I think you'll get quite a variety of different people who are against the monarchy. Um, so I don't think you can say, oh, this type of people
0: will definitely be for it. Um,
2: you'll find as many right-wingers, I think, who will be against the monarchy who are for it as well. I mean, I
0: actually, probably. I don't think... I, I, I don't think so. I think that's wishful thinking. Think? I think <laughs> that, like, um, the monarchy... Because, like, people take the monarchy as, like... Basically, a bastion of being British, don't they? The, the,
2: the last stronghold of white supremacy. Exactly. Like yeah. Unassailable. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, whenever like, a black person accepts like an MB or OB or any of those BE things, I'm just like, nah, not me. Not me. I yeah uh,
0: I always say that like well I take it on an individual level so if you want to do that that's completely cool but I I would not be accepting yeah I I told I told my mum this and she was so upset I told my yeah, it, this and they were both yeah, really it. upset. Yeah. Well, is she is?
2: She, is she, are, they, are they pro like royal? Are they royalist or is it just?
0: It's hard I think I don't my mum is not my my dad is not is not a royalist at all my mum is not. I wouldn't say she's a royalist, but she's like pro-queen, basically. <laughs> <You know>? That's <laughs> the
1: thing, you know.
0: Inexplicable reason. <laughs> she seems to she seems to um, be on board with um, with the queen, mm-hmm. and like I don't have an issue with her. I just have I just have an issue with the uh, with the institution she upholds. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm queen. Like, surely, like, in, like, um, like, your grandparents' homes, I don't know what it's like for yours, but um, the only picture of white people you had up in the house were either the Pope, the Queen, or Princess Diana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
3: know,
1: I'm saying Diana's got a lot of clouds amongst our people. Yeah, a she has A
0: lot of, of clouds. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, like... It's like the one dead one. It doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think
2: it's probably because we could all tell she wasn't like the others as well. Right? that's why. I mean, it's one like Harry, again. right? We have an affinity I, with him in part, I think, because of that. I think also because of, oh yeah, because because of, of Diana and also because of Megan now as well. Um, yeah, but it's. I think when Diana, when did she die? Was it ninety seven?
0: Ninety seven, yeah. yeah. I think
2: I I remember it happened, but I was seven at the time, so I didn't have like a deep understanding of it. I could tell it was a big deal though. I seen it on TV and everything, um, but it, it's kind of shaped. I don't know. I'm not so sure what point I'm making, but it's you know it's it's still a big deal that she died, and is, you know yeah. the conspiracy theories that the you know that she was killed off by the royal family is you know I think if if that turned out to be true, I don't think many people would be like truly shocked. Um, no. It's just a bit convenient she died when she did, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> as well.
0: Like um, I don't know. Like, See, if something like that came out, like if, if that, I mean, I don't <laughs> think I don't think the conspiracy theory is real. I don't at all. But like, if that if that turned out to be true, then 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 we should have a referendum on the on the monarchy. Well, exactly.
2: That's what we need to do. We need to uncover the truth, and that will bring down the fall of that regime. These
1: things think. come out in the end, I think. Yeah,
2: <laughs> like fifty years after we have all gone, or something. Yeah, like I know.
1: That. <laughs> but, uh, but, you, like, who was Dana? <laughs> I
2: reckon anyone anyone who's got near the truth near to the truth would have been dealt with as well.
1: Oh God, definitely. But um I think it's, it's kind it's of it's crazy that people don't realise how institutions work though, and find that find that bizarre i'm just like like it's not like who knows but at the same i'm also like powerful institutions do what they need to do yeah
0: it's about survival isn't it yeah
1: yeah even like it's not even a big conspiracy thing it's just like that's how power works it closes down and it gets yeah it with the issue um we've seen it in the church yeah some of these abuse scandals were so yeah because yeah people make things happen
2: well it, it looks like it was everywhere just um whether it was churches or boarding schools anything where people had come like, you know, like Jimmy Savile for example yeah. I think after he passed was it over 400 different people came forward yeah, I'm thinking yeah. like how do you keep something that's on such a large scale under wraps like that for so long it's because well, people were there and it happened Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. it's yeah. mad though it is. A magic, right? it is
1: it's scary I
2: think so I'll believe
1: anything now like, pretty much you, like, have you, know. you have to I think yeah I believe it. anyone who's willing to kind of speak up about something um, I, I always believe them I just think we have no reason not to
0: yeah um
1: i think though, so,
0: like if you're like if you're a member of the public and you like you use like you especially the church or institution that you take something from i think it's like it's easier for you to not like to not believe people who speak out against it because then like it means that you don't have to question your own faith in these institutions or what you get from them you're right yeah so it's easier just to like compartmentalize it and lock it away and put it somewhere so you don't just really have to think about like how like a lot of times they have deceived you into thinking one thing or they've led you in one in one way when really it's another it's true there were two really good points that you made about your book that i forgot to mention is that one is that um i remember when it was black history month i was trying to like Find like people to talk to about kind of like growing up being like black queer, well and yeah black queer and gay in the UK, mm. and to find like if there been like any kind of like academia or any kind of history done on like black queerness in the UK, and there was virtually nothing. Like virtually nothing. that um at actually UCL our rival um, our rival university.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's an academic who's done some work on um on that. Um, Dr Gemma Romain That's literally all I could find mm-hmm. I messaged her To try and be a guest That didn't get back to me okay. Which is fine <laughs> So yeah I think definitely There's like um, The work that you're writing that definitely needs There definitely is a niche Is a niche mm-hmm. And it's something That we really need And I didn't really know That it was lacking Until I was looking for it yeah. And the other point Was about It's kind of like a Top for another podcast But the kind of like American connection we have with both our blackness and our queerness.
3: Yeah. And I
0: feel like with both of them we take our cues from America a lot of the time. And that's from like so much from it from from a queer perspective, from the way that we speak, from the things that we consume from media spaces. And like voices in our black queer community tend to come from the US, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And I think I like kind of like the global like allyship between us here and them there but at the same time if you would say is there like a, a black British queer identity I wonder if like wonder what people would say to that or whether there was one or not
1: I think there, I think I think there is it's funny kind of and we're, we're kind of making it and are part of it but I'm also yeah. when I speak to older black um, mostly gay men in this country you realise that they see a kind of um community and, 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 and identity as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just often been forgotten and not documented well. Yeah, well. for sure. It's, it's historians that will do the work because there's people like Gemma and others who are who are looking and archiving a lot. Of yeah. Um, and photographers like Ajamu who are photog- and photograph people and documented people's lives that um, helps to preserve that. Yeah. Um, but my kind of particular task has been, you know, to speak about what it's like to be Black, gay, and Christian in the UK, um, Mm -hmm. from my perspective, and with as much confidence as, you know, straight white men write about God. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it it feels weird because it's kind of counter what we're taught, but to let it kind of flow um, Mm -hmm. and stop worrying about what people might make of it has been a big challenge.
0: I think that's hard to do with any any kind of writing or work that you do, especially ones where it can, like, can get maybe personal or you're talking about things that you have direct, direct
1: experience of, it's really hard to do that. Yeah. And going to a publisher and being like, I'm not writing for white people. Because yeah. <laughs> if, if you're writing about race, it's got to be for a white audience. I'm like, no. Yeah. Actually, it's not. So, yeah. Um, I think
0: that kind of idea, I, I think in the last few years, really, has only really kind of like taken off we're not taken off that's not that's not what i want to say but like for me anyway i guess like we make black boy joy podcast, mm. and like um white people listen to the podcast they are more than more than welcome to consume but they're not like white people are not necessarily like in the forefront of my mind when we're thinking about who's going to be the person to listen to this I support that wholeheartedly mm-hmm. yeah and then there's that there's yeah there's your book that you're writing um, on a wider scale, there's, um, there's what "Insecure" by Issa Rae, yeah. um, which is like a comedy show, which is very like very like black like black female uh, female centered in like the writing, like, acting, the direction. And there's um, there's like Renee Lodge as well, which is not necessarily uh, not necessarily like in just for just for like a white lens so it's really interesting yeah it's a good time I guess maybe it's a good time to be creative things like this definitely there's also one thing I wanted to mention yeah. going back to um, you know when you say we were talking about no name yeah, yeah. and you're saying that it reminded you of an ex yes <laughs> that was like when you said that that was resonating with me <laughs> I wasn't going to I wasn't going to mention it oh, <laughs> like, no, <yeah. laughs> For oh, me, oh. it's not no name. It's um, you know, Robin. Oh yeah. In um 2018 she released Wait. an album, Honey. Yep, yep,
1: yep,
0: And at the time I've gone through a thing with a guy. And now those that album and that person are just like, I can't yeah, separate yeah, okay. the two. One yeah, of the same, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I hate that so
0: much. Yeah, and it's like one of my favorite albums. What is
1: it?
2: <laughs> I think you just have to give it time for them to be separating it your, in your mind, I think, maybe. Oh, I don't know. It's um, difficult.
1: I don't know if it's yeah. possible. I know. <laughs> I'm yeah, in um... a, like, you know, I hate all men stage of life at the moment. I'm keeping that up until, like, at least May. Then what I'm did like, you say? <laughs> sorry. I'm in a I hate all men stage at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you have come to the right place. It's <laughs> Even, like, my Tinder bio is like, all men are wicked. So like only try right, literally. Not up for it. Not up for it. I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah,
0: we um, we regular me, K, and I regularly discuss how many trash. The
1: worst man. I'm sure I've been the trashy one at least once or twice, but like on the whole, it's Mm -hmm. it's you know you hope that you do the right thing, but geez. (laughs) <laughs> That's a whole other episode. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a
0: lot. Are um, there any albums for you, Kieran, or any, any any anything that reminds you of a person?
2: I was told He didn't like. um I get into too much detail. But um, remember the dude in France from like 2014. Yeah, the one who he turned out he like well was a prostitute and like um, I don't really get into too much detail, but he, he, you know he kind of messed me around a bit but he was a massive Mary J. Blige fan.
0: Oh, um, yes, I
2: remember. Yeah, you know, you know that My Life album that you love so much? Yeah. Uh, and I've, probably, I've probably listened to like half it or anything, but every time I listen to like that particular album, like, I just think of him straight and then just like, skip, just like... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's
2: what I need to I'm do. Because like, he's, he's ruined the music for me. It's annoying. Yeah, but I think too. enough time has passed now. I should be over it by this point, I think.
0: But we'll see. Yeah.
1: One day. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know what, actually, I'm going to say it on the podcast now. So, you know, when you have times, uh, I think I've said this to you, Kieran, before. Um, I'm preaching, you know, the times when you look back at past relationships or past people that you may have dated or bad decisions that you made, when you've moved mad, basically. I'm encouraging everyone to look back at those times a bit fondly. Like, yeah, and, yeah, be like because then they are great times, they are mm. wonderful times. <laughs> like, there's been times where I've moved mad in the past. And like I've been in a space where like, oh, why have I done that? Like that's so stupid. I've learned something from it and there's always a hilarious story that come out of it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what makes that's what makes life like because they you moved mad and at the time it's not nice, but they make quite a fun memories. So like when you realise how silly it was, you can see it from like a third person perspective, like, but, like looking back. Um we all moved mad from time to time. The way you're smiling Jerella,
1: it makes me feel like you know what you're. you're yeah.
0: Speaking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it resonates. It resonates. Yeah, and so I guess, yeah, one thing everyone, if anyone who listens, if you move mad, forget all that regret stuff. Yeah, forget all of that. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe something you can laugh about. Yeah, I remember, like, there being a guy who ghosted me once, who, like, this is the guy I was upon, and, like, when like when he did it the first time, I was like so caught up about it, see? and then like weeks and weeks later, he messaged me, and instead of it being like, oh yeah you're trashed, I was like straight back in there, and it me, like nothing at ever.
3: Like, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> People there like...
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, of course. Then what happened after that? Go to me again, dude. Yeah,
1: me. <laughs> They're all useless. This is
0: the point. <laughs> I'm over it. So now, yeah, so at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, how stupid have you been? Now I'm just like, this is hilarious. This is life.
3: You <coughs> roll,
1: roll with it. Yeah, you're living. Exactly. Man. Some of us live exactly. more
0: fast or, or more, more fast or slow than others, but we will learn eventually, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, there's that whole thing where then like, oh, people, like, once bitten, twice shy, or something like that. That that doesn't happen with me. So, like, oh, and also you don't know, make like the same the same mistake over and over and over well, again. That's
2: that's like fool me once, then yeah. Like, say, and and again, that like, doesn't apply to me because I'll commit the same mistake four times in a row. Yeah. And maybe I would have like learned something from it. Yeah. Um,
1: but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it just uh makes me who
0: I am. Yeah. It is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just as
1: my number one. I think. You know, and move on. Yeah. Make Jesus the main guy. (laughs) That's it. Well, that's it, isn't it? Oh it's mad.
0: Well, yes, I think um we'll probably wrap here. Um thank you so much to Jarrell for joining us on this special Christmas, even though it didn't end up being called Christmas the episode of um, (laughs) of that World podcast.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: is there anything you want to plug and um, your social media, anything like that?
1: Um, I'm at Jarrell RB on everything. Um, follow if you want some mad like Christian political queer stuff every now and then. <laughs> you um, post
0: some like actually, sorry to put you. You do post some really interesting stuff on your Twitter.
1: Do I? Okay, thank you. That's good. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, um, like things that make you think, which is good. Good, good, good.
2: So yeah, your Twitter
0: game, is, um, your Twitter game is working well.
2: It's actually um, for me. Actually, it's more, it's more your Instagram story that I've seen here and there,
1: like, sure, um, which is equally mad. Actually,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the highlights have been um, there's usually some James Baldwin critique. Yeah. I also like uh, is it the white and brown dog as well? That's, oh, that's yes, awesome.
3: yes. he makes
2: an appearance from time to time as well. My like,
1: little Jack Russell. He's not in yeah. <laughs> Love him. I couldn't trust him to be here and not bark. That's why. All right. <laughs> 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 But well, yeah, we didn't even sure. get to James Baldwin, did we? No, not once. Not once. I'm surprised actually.
0: Yeah, Kieran and I are huge fans as well. Huge, so, huge yeah. fans. Lovely so there's so
2: much, there's so much more of the stuff I need to read as well. Like, there's, yeah. uh, I know some stuff but
0: there's much more to discover. I've only read like his big hitters, so I've only read Bill Street, Giovanni's Room, and Go Tell It on the Mountain.
1: Go Tell It on the Mountain's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, it's forever applicable to so
2: anyone who grew up black and gay, like,
1: it's, yeah, um, it's timeless.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. I, I think... need to reread that actually. I read it years ago, like, I've probably forgotten half of what happened to
0: me.
3: Maybe on yeah. Christmas, who knows? <laughs> you
0: know, that you know what that means, Jerelle? Yeah, it means that you have to come back for another podcast. <laughs>
3: like, I, if back, Absolutely, back, Baldwin,
1: yeah. I will be there, like, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, now you've got me started. I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway right yeah sorry and uh, let's get this so you've, you've given your twitter and, and your instagram um it'll be in our show notes everyone should follow uh, should follow throughout on both platforms uh, we're black boy joy um uh, available on where you stream podcasts: spotify apple podcast google we but on audible as well <laughs> If you're um, on iTunes, you can leave a glowing five-star review for us. That's very helpful. Follow us on Instagram, we're at BlackboyJoyPodcast and at Twitter, we're at BlackboyJoyPod. But um, if there's nothing else, then um, Merry Christmas and a prosperous lockdown New Year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have a good one. And yeah, thanks very much.